wrestling fans. Are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck goose. I know I put it, but I'm most of all the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're gonna be mine all night. Here's Jonathan Hood. Ooh, we are busy today on a Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood with you. Don't forget to follow along on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. That's WrestlingTWT. Tell people. That Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, every single Tuesday. Make sure that you leave five stars and a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Leave five stars and a review. Let people know that we're talking wrestling and this is the wrestling show that you choose every Tuesday or whenever you download this podcast. Thanks so much for checking in as always. We are busy today. We got a lot to get to, including what happened at AEW Full Gear. Of course, I have evoked my Jericho MJF dance clause. So I did not see AEW Full Gear, but we're going to have a review of that show with Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. So don't fear. We will have some thoughts about AEW Full Gear if you get a chance to watch it from Jacksonville, Florida. Also, we'll talk about what makes a dream match. We'll get into that regarding AEW as well. And also, we'll open up the old mailbox. We haven't done that in about a month or so. We got a few questions for our mailbox segment. We'll probably start off with that. And also, one of the best matches I've seen in 2020. Or we're going to all break it down right here on TWT. So let's go. Let's do this. So, for those of you listening to me for the first time, for you longtime listeners of TWT, you know that I'm a wrestling fan, a pro wrestling fan. That's why I do this podcast for you every single week, because I know that you're either a pro wrestling fan, sports entertainment fan, whatever it is, you are interested in the genre. So, I totally get it. And I'm a pro wrestling fan going back to the 70s when I was a kid, when my dad took me to the International Amphitheater, so... I'm someone who really, really enjoys wrestling. And I understand that wrestling has evolved, but some of it I like and some of it I don't like. I also don't like the modern fan necessarily saying, hey, Hood, you know, you got to get with the times. Whatever you're seeing on AEW or the WWE or Impact Wrestling, you just have to accept. Actually, no, I don't. I don't have to accept it. I will look at things that catch my eye, that interest me, and I'll enjoy it. Here's something I really enjoyed. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know I've talked about NXT UK. And for our listeners across the pond, and I always have to take time to thank everybody for listening, whether it's here stateside of the United States or also overseas, uh, listening in the UK, Russia, uh, and other places that are listening to this podcast. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast. But for our listeners in the UK, you have something special there in NXT UK. The WWE does not pr- promote NXT UK well enough. And maybe this because this is something that they want to really build up with BT Sport uh, in the United Kingdom. But I will tell you that as a pro wrestling fan, more times than not, 99.9% of the time, I'm getting pro wrestling. It's the closest thing to a pro wrestling product, 100%, that I see on a weekly basis. 
So I love NXT UK, and I'll try to talk about this product a little bit more often. If you have not seen NXT UK, you really should. I know that there is a plethora of wrestling out there, but if you are into hard-hitting wrestling or a certain style that's different than what you're usually seeing, uh, it's something that you really should watch. I'm a big fan. And so not on pay-per-view, not on some pay service or some place that was taking place in Cardiff, Wales or other places that were not in the WWE. No, this actually happened under the WWE umbrella, the NXT UK umbrella. Ilya Dragunov against Volter for the NXT UK Championship. This match is one of the best matches I've seen in 2020. I'm looking forward to seeing exactly... When I look at all the great matches I've seen in 2020 where I put this, so far this is one of the top matches I've seen in 2020. And I've talked in the past on this show about Volter and how I just think that he's extraordinary. He doesn't look like every other wrestler. He's not doing goofy shit in the ring. That guy's just a straight-ahead, straightforward wrestler that is a throwback that you could have placed in any era. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. He's a guy that is just different from everyone else. And I see Dragunov, a guy here that is a Russian who is a babyface in this situation. And here's a guy here that can take a beating. A sympathetic babyface. Oh, we get tired of the tired tropes. There's no babyface and heel. Actually, there is if you try. If you are able to write it and say, hey, this is someone here that you should like and here's what he does. He has tendencies or she has tendencies that would make you like this person. Other side of it, no, this person is a heel because they don't like you. You're not supposed to like them. They do things that are dastardly. And whether you're attracted to it or not, this is this person's persona. This is like anything else in television. Watching this match. If you have not seen this, please go out of your way to watch this if you are a wrestling fan. Now, again, I'm just going to tell you there aren't a lot of flips in this and there aren't a, a lot of, you know, there's no dick spots where you're grabbing someone's junk. So maybe this is not for you. But if you love hard hitting action, you should watch this match. I love this match here from NXT UK because after you've seen this match and after you see what Walter as well as Dragunov looks like afterwards, yeah, you could tell that they've been in a war. And on top of that, uh, the call of this match with Nigel McGuinness and Andy Shepard, it was perfect for the momentum, the excitement of this matchup. Because you watch the flow of it and it looks like Dragunov is just this sympathetic baby face that just can't beat this mighty Walter. But then Dragunov is fighting back. And it was just a great story between the two. If Walter hits this, it is all over. How on earth is Ilya Dragunov still in this match? Volta with the mouth and now just mauling the challenger. Vicious elbows across the face. What does Walter need to do to keep Dragunov down and again? Slicker, the salute for his arm. Answering your question with a body scissors. Look at Dragunov's face. That's it. That's it. And Walter retains. Here is your winner and still the NXT United Kingdom champion, Falta. thing I have ever seen in my life. If we can take a look back now at some of the action. The incredible, ruthless, Andy, you used this word earlier. There is no other word. Violence. An absolute incredible dismantling of the human body. We hear the words used before. War. 
battle it cannot do its service two human beings who gave absolutely everything impact devastation that image of Dragonoff gurgling I am almost at a loss for words what a great match Dragonoff and Volter for the NXT UK Championship. Some thoughts from the wrestling podcast Gorilla Position uh, in the UK with James DeLowe. He was talking about it on his show in the UK. It was fantastic. Everyone's talking about it, including those that are doing wrestling podcasts in the United Kingdom. I, I, we can, we, we just must talk about Ilya Dragonoff versus Walter. Uh, UK championship match that happened a week ago today, last Thursday, in the BT Sports Studios. What a freaking match. Mate, if this <laughs> Mate. was brutal. I mean, honestly, it made me so pleased. We all have these dreams of being a wrestler, but it made me so pleased that I'm a massive wrestling fan, but... <laughs> I never want to be in the position to be an actual wrestler being involved in things like that. Maybe it's just that they're that good at their jobs and, you know, that's supposed to be their jobs. It's supposed to look real and it's supposed to look like they're being really brutal with each other. And maybe they weren't hurt at all and therefore props to them. But this looked for all the world like it. everything really hurt. <laughs> Um, they should they should pop up a big screen in the House of Commons and, and maybe just put this match on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That like, how, like to them, like how hard are you working in your job right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I mean, this is how hard these two are working. <laughs> it was. I mean, they worked incredibly hard. It was. It was brutal. It was uncomfortable. It was thumping. It was like I mean, genuinely sort of uncomfortable to watch. I was speaking to someone um, at WWE the other day, and they were saying that you know I've been in arenas watching thousands of live matches now. And I've never seen anything like this, and and I just it, I, I thought it was it was sort of mesmerising, and it was just so intense, and you just suspended all disbelief. And actually, Jim Cornette, as annoying as he can be, and sometimes you know you read Jim Cornette stuff or you hear him in interviews, and you think, come on, get a grip. Uh, you know the the products evolved. It's not this old school thing that you used to love. You've you've got to evolve with it. With it. So I, I disagree with a lot of stuff he says, but sometimes he makes very valid points. But he just said I, I he he put on Twitter. He said I, I just saw Walter versus Elia from NXT UK. If you're wondering, this is what pro wrestling could have evolved into had it not have been commandeered by comedy writers and backyard cosplayers. A masterpiece of the true art of worked combat. Kudos to both. And it's like, I can't disagree. It was one of those matches where, as I say, you suspended all disbelief. And it's and that very rarely happens in WWE. You know, it was it was pure wrestling magic. And I guess on the other side of it, you could say, well, it looked like they were really hurting each other. And, and where's the art in that? As Bret Hart always says, it's like, where's the where's the art in actually hurting your opponent? But it was it was I mean, basically, people need to watch it. If any if if by any chance anyone listening to this right now hasn't watched Ilya Dragunov versus Walter for the title on NXT UK from last week. Go check it out on BT Sport. Go check it out on the network. I'm not just hyping it up. It was something very, very special. Thoughts there from James DeLowe and Kevin Clifton on Gorilla Position, uh, a wrestling podcast in the UK. Yep, absolutely. So that's just uh, something for you if you... Do subscribe to the WWE Network. Look for WWE NXT UK, and you'll be able to see that match. Uh, I like the program anyway. My guy Eddie Dennis is getting a little bit more shine. I'm a big Eddie Dennis fan because he's evil, uh, and, I, and he's believable. There's a number of women on that uh, on that particular brand as well that I really like. So it's a it's an up and coming brand that I've been watching since day one. It's unique. Uh, wrestling doesn't have to all look the same. All the spots, all the things that you see, all the finishes shouldn't look like the same uh, because wrestling can be vanilla ice cream sometimes. If you like vanilla, it's great, um, but you should have different flavors of ice cream when you have an ice cream shop. Wrestling should have different flavors, and NXT UK definitely brings to the table something 
difference in flavor. All right, let's delve into the old mailbag, mailbox. See what we have here for TWT. All right, let's go to Joel, who says, Mr. Hood, I love the formal Mr. Hood, not Jonathan. I guess it's too long. Mr. Hood, my question is, why do wrestling fans bash AEW and WWE? I am old school. I love wrestling, period. Variety is the spice of life. Why can't we all just get along and enjoy wrestling? That's from Joel Savoy. Well, Joel, I you know, it's interesting. When I was growing up and watching wrestling on syndicated channels locally uh, in Chicago and watching the AWA, then... Uh, seeing the NWA come to Chicago in 1986 or so. That's when we start seeing on syndicated TV. 87 was the Universal Wrestling Federation. Um, watching the WWE come into, into town and be able to watch those uh, shows. You know, my wrestling friends and I loved all of wrestling. Because we'd follow it by watching wrestling shows that just pop up. Glow would pop up and, you know, world-class championship wrestling out of Dallas. So it was kind of cool to be able to watch those wrestling shows and then following follow all those wrestling organizations through the magazines. So I never had a problem with watching a lot of different wrestling, but I was younger then. Uh, and now, obviously, as an adult, I can pick and choose. I would say that um, it's it's a lot more tribal now than it was back then, at least from what I can tell. Um, because I'm thinking about AEW fans on social media saying that WWE sucks and then WWE fans saying, hey, you your ratings on Dynamite is not as high as Raw, back and forth. So I look at wrestling now, some wrestling fans look at their organizations like teams, right? Where it's like, hey, it's Yankees, Mets, it's Cubs, Sox, it's USC against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, it, it's the rivalries, you know, Oklahoma, Texas and college football, um, Oregon, Oregon State. However you look at it, it, it seems like it's more of a rivalry now where I plant my flag as an AEW fan or I plant my flag as an NXT fan or a WWE fan or a New Japan fan, whatever it is. And... Um, I, I think that for the most part, I think wrestling fans watch everything, but they love what they love. And so as long or as people are into the, the business, it helps the business thrive. So if you are a W fan and that's all you'll watch and that's all you care about is watching Dark and Dynamite and their pay-per-views, that's great. As long as you understand that you have to that, that supporting everything is good, that long stretch of the WWE taking over the wrestling world after the purchase of WCW uh, was not great for business. It wasn't great for their business. Impact Wrestling could could not do much against the WWE, even though TNA Impact Wrestling was, or had better ratings than what AEW has now. Uh, during that time. So it's just tribal. As long as people are interested, I guess it's okay. Um, David says, what do you think of the reports that Mercedes Martinez is out of retribution because she didn't want to be part of the group anymore? Feels like a bad move for a new, a new performer to the roster to just ask out of a main show storyline, regardless of how rough the storyline has been so far. Yeah, I was reading up on that, David, and you know, that that's her choice. No, I thought that maybe the WWE made that choice for her, saying, okay, you know what, you may not be right for this. We'll put you back in developmental. Um, but that, that was her choice. I don't know why I made it. I had a text and didn't get a response back before this uh, taping here on uh, Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock Central Time. Uh, so... I texted someone and did not get a response. I read through and tried to find out if Mercedes Martinez had an issue with creative or the WWE make this move. But this is everything I keep reading is that she decided that retribution wasn't for her. So I don't know what that means for her future. I would agree that no matter how much this stinks, and I don't, th I don't think retribution is very good. I'm glad Mustafa Ali's in it because it makes it better. It gives him a direction, but just having wrestlers that we know that are either green or veterans that should be in better programs. Uh, you know, I, I don't think retribution is very impactful uh, at all. Nexus was more impactful than we get from retribution, quite frankly. Um, Ted Z, Ted from Hammond, Indiana. 
Longtime listener for TWT and everything I do on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Thanks so much, Ted. Ted says, has the Hurt Business topped out at four members? I would like to see Shelton and Cedric polish their presence with a solid story pursuing the tag team titles. I laughed that none of them uh, bothered pinning our truth for their 24-7 title. Also, please change your mind and give AEW another chance. I hate having to decipher what's going on there by myself. <laughs> well, that's not... He, he listens to the podcast to find out what's going on at AEW. Well, we're going to have Josh on in a second. I'm going to call him and get his thoughts because I like I will I will turn on AEW in January. I've I have registered my vote to not uh, watch AEW because of what I saw from Jericho and MJF. I planted my flag saying, you know what? I ain't got time for this. So I'm going to find out from Josh what's going on there. As far as the Hurts business is concerned, yeah, I would like for two of those guys to go up the tag team championships. Um, it, it's just it's very unique because you just don't see this in wrestling from four African-American wrestlers in their own stable. Uh, I think they're heels, but when they take on retribution, they are baby faces. So I don't, I don't see them as baby faces, but I just think they're a cool group. It's very unique, led by M- by MVP, who is a great mouthpiece for this group. This does so much for Cedric Alexander as well as Shelton Benjamin. I mean, Lashley was already over, no matter how silly that storyline was with him and Lana. But it just—he was already over, and he has been over. Uh, he doesn't have a ch- have to have a championship to get over. But those other two, Shelton's been with the company forever. He needed something, and this is good for, uh, I think, all four of those guys because they walk around, and when they come into the picture on Raw, it's like, yep, yep, business has just picked up. So I appreciate you guys checking in on the good old mailbox segment. I saw that longtime ring announcer and ring crew guy, Tony Chimmel, was let go by the WWE. Man, let me tell you. Tony Chimmel has been around for a long time in that company, going back to the mid-80s. And even though he might not have been the greatest ring announcer um, that the WWE's ever had, it didn't matter. That guy was good. I, I, I enjoyed because he was just different. He didn't have the big, powerful voice, but he was just good. I remember, you know, you go to a SmackDown show locally and, and hear him talk to the fans, put on the tuxedo. But little did we know that, like, after the matches are over and the fans are gone he's taking the tuxedo off and helping the ring crew that guy is, was one of the backbones of the wwe is no longer with the company we haven't seen him in a long time uh and you know how vince mcmahon is you know if you start aging on television they take you off so i like finkel was gone i think prematurely same thing with chimmel uh ring announcers don't have to look pretty ring announcers just have to be effective so all the best to tony chimmel that guy will pop up i'm sure someplace um doing a shoot interview or uh, having his own podcast or being part of some kind of um, wrestling festival. But Tony Chimmel, one of the good guys in wrestling that I've enjoyed. So let's get to AW Full Gear. So, of course, I did not watch it, and we're going to do a full review of this in just a second. But I do know that one of the matches on the card was supposed to be a quote-unquote dream match between the Young Bucks and FTR. Dream match. A dream match in which fans said, boy, what if, right? What if we saw FTR against the Young Bucks who would win? And so there's a lot of different opinions about this match. All I know is that when I read up about it, it was a 30-minute match and that the Young Bucks are the new AEW tag team champions. Hmm. So I think about this, and I know there's a clash of styles between these two. And I'm an FTR fan because when I watched them in the WWE, they were completely different. They were Tully and Arn when I watched them in the WWE. They wrestled just like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Uh, but they have shades of their own style. Like They will borrow things from wrestling's tag team's past, and they will implement it in their own system. So they're working their asses off. So I respect them as two guys that are looking back at wrestling's past and says, you know what? Everyone else is doing the same things, diving through the ropes, diving over the ropes, uh, a lot of gymnastics and going outside and going into the like, to me, wrestling 
as I mentioned, should have a variety. FTR gives you something different. And so to find out that they lost and that the Young Bucks are the tag team champions, I'm like, okay, so first of all, wins the rematch. And secondly, did FTR have to lose on the first time that you see this match? It's interesting about dream matches. So for years when I was growing up, people looked at Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair as a dream match, right? Like, this match should have been a WrestleMania match, 100,000 people, 90,000 people, whatever. Something that we have not seen uh, in the modern era, let's see Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair and see what that looks like, right? And somehow, some way, Vince McMahon put this show on the road, I guess a couple of house shows, and it didn't draw well. Now, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look and see where those matches took place, those house shows, those live events took place. But I don't know where they took place. And um, so we never got that match in the WWE during WrestleMania when I thought those two were hot. In the early 90s, when you needed something, when the when business was down for the WWE, for WCW, all that, all, you know, the territories are dried up. You needed something, Right. And I never understood why that match didn't take place outside of just a couple of house shows. That should have still been a WrestleMania match. But instead, we got Ric Flair versus Randy Savage. And and that match was interesting in itself. Sure, it was interesting. The storyline was compelling, uh, where Macho Man Randy Savage is jealous because Ric Flair's got these pictures, these doctored photos of Flair and Elizabeth together, and so now he wants revenge. Okay, great. That's good for Indianapolis, I guess, for that WrestleMania, but it just, the, you still, if you, with great storytelling, you could put Hogan versus Flair in their prime in there and go. Now, WCW, to their credit, they were able to put that match on and Flair lost in Orlando. Uh, that could have been a bigger venue for that, by the way, but they put it in the Orlando Magic Arena at the time. And so they were able to draw and they went on from there with Hogan being the WCW champion. So that's fine. Uh, WCW took advantage of something that WWE did not do at that particular time. But that's a, that's a dream match at that time. And anytime that you see cross promotion, especially during the real heyday of wrestling, when you see this top wrestler against this top wrestler, what would happen? Remember being in school where you could pass notes around to your classmates and you just like line up dream matches like the NWA wrestlers like Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA and Ric Flair at the time, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, um, Jimmy Boogie Woogie Band Valiant, whatever, right? Um, Dory Funk. And you have all these wrestlers on the NWA side, and you have the WWF side, where you've got Hogan, Don Morocco, you've got Randy Savage, you've got um, Demolition, you've got Tito Santana, Greg Valentine, you have uh, the Hart Foundation, um, you know, just uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, whatever, right? And it'd be interesting to go back and forth in class during that time and say, hey, what if this company and this company came together for one supercar what would it look like so here we are in 2020 fast forward to 2020 and we have ftr versus the young bucks and you want that match to be a classic but you want that match to be able to have some legs to it you want that match to be able to not just to have the one-off and i was surprised by the way it went 30 minutes when i read about it. i'm like wow 30 minutes it's interesting but Will they be able to have a rematch? And then what does that rematch look like? And will they have a trilogy of matches where they're all classic matches? That's the big question I would have. I mean, I think about Flair and Steamboat in 89 where I was there at the UIC Pavilion, as it was called at the time, and saw Flair and Steamboat. And I said, there's a dream match. Steamboat coming over from the WWE to take on Ric Flair for the championship and as a dream match that I did not see in the 70s but I saw in 89 and it was great and they had three great matches Chicago New Orleans New Orleans Flair Steamboat was the greatest match I've ever seen and Nashville for the blow off where Flair retains or, or, or regains the championship over Steamboat three great matches um but though that was a dream match so there's a lot of opinions about this I'll start with Matt Morgan and Raj Geary, uh, as they are together with Jesse Collings 
on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, and they review this match. What do they like most about FTR against the Young Bucks? This was an unbelievable match. Love the psychology. Um, I still think Dax is the bigger of the two stars on that team. That guy can do everything. And people are like, would normally sit there and say, well, what the hell is he doing? Uh, 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 450. Dax, Dax the, bald, the bald guy. Yeah. Oh, can, no, no. I, I, get the conf- I get them confused, Who's too. I had to look it up. With Cash Wheeler. That's Cash Cash. Sorry. Cash Wheeler, I like better. <laughs> Slightly. Because, dude, he does everything. He's he can do every. He's big, he's jacked, he looks like he can kick your ass. He doesn't have a gut like his partner. There's no offense to his partner. Um, and he can do things athletically to keep up with everybody on that roster while at the same time being a throwback wrestler as well. Dude, that spear through the frigging uh, second and third ropes to hit his opponent and go onto the outside and not break his neck it, in itself is quite a feat, guys. Athletically, I can't even begin to tell you. He is so damn good. He could be a single star. I know they won't because it's a tag team. They're incredible, FTR. Um, but this is a great match. Great, well-executed. Um, the Bucks still need to improve. I know this, they're my friends. I don't like saying this about them, but they do need to continue to work on their acting, um, especially Matt. Um, he's got to continue to improve when he's selling. He makes the same face over and over again, like this biting of the lip. Face that he continues to make anytime he doesn't like something, something bad's happening, or he's in pain. It's the same face. Go back and watch. Um, I'm being super critical of it because I think they're the best by far and away tag team in the last 20 years. Not saying a lot. That's my opinion. I do. Um, but they need to get to that next level on the promos and the acting part of the wrestling, in my opinion. So this is only going to make them improve because they do a lot of acting in this storyline. And I hope they got a lot of their crap out of their system. They're going to continue to improve because of it and be the real best tag team that we've seen easily in the last 20 years. I love this match. I thought it was I thought it was one of those where it started out and you're like, oh, it's pretty good. And then in the middle, you're like, oh, it's good. But it's not what I, I was expecting. I thought it was going to be better. And by the end, it was awesome. So well done. Oh, and even the pin. The pin. He didn't hook a leg. I usually would have a problem with that, but I didn't because it was so spent of energy. It made sense that he'd still hold his leg or his ankle while he was in a pinning predicament, you know? It made sense. I liked it a lot, the whole match. I I love the FTR dynamic with the Young Bucks because it's not just flips and dives and going through tables and... No, you he know. hurt his fist. He literally hurt his fist from trying to throw fists, and I, I love that. And I loved it because it makes you wonder, like, oh, was that planned? Is that a real thing? I mean, it was really, it just, the, the FTR bring that reality to it, and it wasn't a yes. high-flying shit show. And 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 they brought out, listen, I forgot to tell you, this is important, Raj. They did bring an element out of the Young Bucks we've not seen. That gear of being pissed off and aggressive. They were yeah. more aggressive tonight. Yeah, it felt it felt more like a fight as opposed to a dance, and that's what has always bothered me with Young Bucks matches with the and Bucks, just a yeah. lot of wrestling today. Is that it? It feels more like a dance than an, yep. than a fight. Like you're trying yeah. to win as opposed to you're trying to impress. Right. And this felt like the Young Bucks. You know, there there were times yeah. when you still had it, but it. <laughs> No, but it's overly choreographed sometimes. Whereas FTR is a perfect spoil to that because they're throwing mm-hmm. straight A-makers to right in your nose. You know what I mean? To bring the realness right back to the match every time. Well, that- So thoughts there from um, Matt Morgan, The Blueprint, as well as Raj Giri uh, on the uh, Wrestling Inc. podcast. And by the way, just a side note, it is so beautiful in the Midwest as I record this here in Chicago that I am on the patio. <laughs> so I, I I don't care if the if the dog next door is barking and if you hear that that's fine, but I am not going to go inside on a beautiful day. I'm enjoying this November 10th weather. So if you hear a dog barking, hopefully it's not too intrusive of our podcast here, but it's too nice to go inside. Um, so that's one opinion, right, from Matt Morgan, who says that the bu- the Bucks are the best tag team uh, in wrestling. Okay, so let's get another opinion. How about the opinion of someone who managed uh, my favorite tag team, the Midnight Express? 
here's Jim Cornette on the Jim Cornette drive-thru. So you know it's Jim Cornette, and you, so you know the language is going to be salty. So again, uh, just keep in mind, salty language always when there's Jim Cornette on this particular podcast. Let's hear from Jim Cornette. What did he think of the Young Bucks against FTR at full gear? Uh, well, you just said, well, the, uh, the, the, it wasn't, it's the program, the point, this was the first meeting. You said they rushed it up. They could have had it in front of people. They could still have the big one in front of people because this was the first one. You lunatics. How can you not think about this? This wasn't supposed to be the classic match. This was supposed to be what hooked people. What made them wonder, what established, the, despite the fact that they've botched the whole buildup and everybody's positioning and everything. Why didn't they have work this match smart? Make people notice instead of FTR immediately work. There's been this supposed bad feelings and bad blood and jealousy over whose style is better. The Young Bucks, the Flying, the Backyard or FTR, no flips, just fists. We're legitimate wrestlers. Don't just have a fucking match like you do with everybody else. Do it smart. FTR, instead of working with them right away, and especially instead of doing the buck shit right away, don't cooperate. You work the match. Remember what I said about the Briscoes being such good amateur wrestlers? They were able to be heels in the Carolinas by not breaking the rules, but by being pricks about it. You don't mean to tell me that you don't think that people would believe that either Dax or Cash, if they wanted to, could take the fucking bucks down, either one of them, and fucking tie them up. Oh, of course they could. Okay, then the bucks should have started locking up like they were going to get ahead and work, and the fucking FTR should have started taking them down and, and cross-facing them and rubbing them a little bit and laughing about it. And there should have been the struggle where there's not co cooperation, but they're not shooting with each other. They're not punching each other in the face. But no, you're going to do what I want you to do. And the Bucks should have got pissed about it, but they can't really do much because these guys can fucking stretch them. And show some obvious lack of cooperation. We're not going for your shit. We're going to strong arm you. We're going to make you do what we want you to do. People, the smart audience that AEW has would understand that kind of shit. And then when the somehow with the Bucks finally fucking came out and exploded with some shit, set it up so that FTR could take it without showing obvious cooperation. And what are they going to do? Not take a bump or whatever and expose the business or they got to eat it. In other words, a fucking struggle of a match because you got two competing styles and philosophies. Make it don't look like you're just doing each other's shit. And it, then FTR could have fucking took one down and got some fucking heat and made it look like he, they really didn't want him to fucking tag out and flip the partner, blow him off or whatever, and have the fucking partner complaining to the referee. And then go into a fucking tag and a comeback and let the Bucks get a couple of their moves in. And then one member of FTR obviously sandbag something when they try to pick him up and small package the little asshole and fucking cinch up on him while the other partner has the other guy outside the ring or immobilized cinch up on him <laughs> one two and the referee don't want to do it he can't kick out he's trying to kick out three fuck it what the fuck it's a double cross do the match in nine and a half minutes they put that stipulation on it though they telegraphed what the finish was going to be because of that stipulation well but i'm not i'm not i'm saying don't do your shitty fucking amateur booking do what would have been right for business. Have that match. No Bucks match last nine minutes. They didn't do all their shit. It was obvious there was fucking a lack of cooperation and a difference in philosophy. And then one of FTR cinches up on the little prick and fucking double crosses them. Flips both of them off, grabs the belt and bails. Tully comes out and hugs them. And they announce on the internet the next day that they'll be happy to give them another match if Tony Khan gives them a raise because now they got the belts. So you can have your fucking belts back. We got what we wanted. We fucked you in front of all your fucking friends on TV. Now, if you want to get a hold of us again, give us a raise and we'll talk. You know, I got to say, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Think about that. 
Imagine if you paid, did the pay-per-view and you paid 50 bucks for it and you saw the Young Bucks and FTR go nine minutes. You think, wait, there's something wrong. The old cinch-up. Google, if you have never seen Wendy Richter against Spider-Lady. The old cinch-up where there's a fast count and Wendy Richter gets screwed for the women's championship and come to find out that Spider-Lady was Fabulous Mula. The old cinch-up. Or in modern terms, of course, we're just, we're a day away, you know, we celebrated um, the screw job in Montreal with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. That's what he's talking about. Of course, someone who suggested that Vince McMahon do the screw job, of course, Jim Cornette would say that because he was behind it. <laughs> he's the one who suggested the screw job on Bret. So it's kind of interesting that he says, hey, do that. And now you are, you're trying to confuse the audience on what's real and what's not real. Because if FTR is able to kind of screw the Young Bucks, people will be like, well, wait, so what's going on there? So I kind of like that. I kind of like that. So because my point is, is that if they've had a 30 minute match, so what else can they do to top what they've done? What else? If it's safe, it's three matches. So what else can they do? And I would agree with Jim and others who have said this. The build for this was really janky. It was rickety. I did not like the build for this because I don't understand how you kick Tony uh, Tony Schiavone. You super kick him. You super super kick uh, another announcer that's on the AEW roster, and you get yourself over as uh, heels, I guess, against a heel tag team in, in FTR. It makes no sense. Uh, Young Bucks didn't need Edge to do that. They just need to win against FTR. So I don't. I just think that's silly. I don't know why they did it that way. I thought the build was poor last time I watched it, and so I look forward to seeing. Okay, so what's next uh, for the Young Bucks? Will they take on FTR, and what does that match look like if they gave the kitchen sink in the first match for thirty minutes? Okay. The story of this match, obviously, is that. Matt Jackson has a bad ankle, and it's the Young Bucks, it's FTR, it's their first match ever, you know the story of both teams, obviously the Young Bucks should be doing all this high flying, but they can't because, well, I mean, Nick can, but Matt's injured, it's a perfect match for the Young Bucks to just work them over, they hit all sorts of double team moves from all of the best teams in the last 30 years, they got the Steiner Bulldog, the power and glory suplex. I guess they wouldn't be one of the great teams in the last 30 years, but still it's a big that's move. A, that's, that's, a, that's a move that the heart attack. The heart attack. Nine, blah, 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 blah. So finally. The, the, then the, the, um, the Young Bucks did the stuff with the Rock and Roll Express double drop kick. They did the Hardy's, um, Hardy spots. The Senton. But yeah. let's get to the, the point here. So they do all of these great matches, they all, all these great spots. It's a great match. Selling, psychology, the whole nine yards. And finally, at the very end, Dash puts Nick in the reverse figure four. It gets broken up. Dash flips off Matt. He kills him with a super kick. The announcers think that he's knocked out, like he's done. All Dash has to do is, is pin this guy. But Mr. No Flips Just Fists decides, I'm going to show these fucking young bucks how to do a flip. And he goes out on the apron and he tries a springboard 450, which let me tell you something, that's a flip. <laughs> and he misses and he gets super kicked and pinned. I almost cried at the beauty of this finish. I can only hope that, that like three years ago, these guys all got together. They said, you know what? Someday we're going to do a match. And Dash, you're going to do a fucking flip and miss. And we're going to super kick you. So starting today... I want you guys today, no flips, just fists for the next three years, because in three years we're going to pay this off. I don't think they did that. that, that, that I don't think that would happen. God, this think... was such a perfect finish for this match. I loved everything about this match. So, the thoughts there from Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez <laughs> from the Wrestling Observer radio show. So, you heard what they had to say about it. So, I'm going to call Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Dream match. How good was FTR versus the Young Bucks? You heard three different wrestling experts. Matt Morgan, Jim Cornette, Brian Alvarez with Dave Meltzer. All right. Let's see what Josh says. And there he is 
from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and the Hoots Podcast, wherever you download your podcast. Look for the Hoots Podcast, hosted by Josh Lopez. Hello, Josh. Hoodie. Um, uh, did we see a mud show? I don't know. Did you see a mud show? My TV had sports on it <laughs> on Saturday night. What You had it on. What did you see? I saw one half of the show be a Ring of Honor show, and then the second half of a mud show. So oh, got a little bit of everything. Oh, that's nice. That's interesting. Well, I want you to to tell me. We were just talking earlier about dream matches with FTR and Young Bucks. So I want to get your top three matches again for someone like me. I told you I'm not watching AEW until the start of the next year because I I uh, I evoked my uh, Jericho MJF rule. Um, not, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not watching that. After that, they insulted me. So, tell me what your thoughts are on your top three matches of Full Gear. Oh, you got some standards, pal. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, all right, first one. Uh, I'll go with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page because just on paper and just the execution of matches, it was one of the best Kenny Omega matches in AEW since the uh, since the inception of the company. Uh, it was interesting the fact that the best guy to move it is not even signed to the company that was calling the match. Uh, mm-hmm. Don Don Cows was on. Color for a four-man booth with Dick Stockton, uh, Sam Rosen, and Excalibur. So, all right, <laughs> that was a great match. Uh, I'll tell Tony. Really, you, I'll tell Tony you said that, but go ahead. That's uh, okay. <laughs> He's just gonna agree with Jr. anyway. So next, um, for me, I really enjoyed the. Um, I I really like the. Uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, it, it, the line really flip me up right here so uh i think it was uh orange cassidy with john silver the match layout it really surprised me how good it was so i thought it was gonna be like full of comedy facility mm-hmm. but i really really liked that match and then the last one number three is uh cody and darby allen i just thought it was like a really good old school television championship match and uh nice to see rb really the first homegrown talent for AEW to get a championship in that promotion it was a really good match i really liked cody versus darby allen cody cody rhodes does not like the um the old tropes of babyface versus heel but everything i read is that cody had to wrestle like a heel because darby clearly is the fan favorite in that how did you see that well it's it's one thing to say that you don't want to uh, ha- adhere to those tropes, but when you are in the booking committee and you have the pencil and you book yourself into those scenarios, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting, even when uh, Cody uh, had his program with Lance Archer, um, to me, I thought Lance was the baby face. So, right. Cody uh, really has a uh, dissolution, dissolution of grandeur of what he really is and what he wants to present as a character. Okay, so when it, you mentioned uh, Page and Omega, so n- now that uh, Omega is over and he's more like he's the cleaner, <clears throat> I saw that promo online, and again, he did not come across as the heel. I just wondered, like, why is Impact Wrestling's Don Callis there? Is there going to be some kind of um, connection between Impact and AEW? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't believe so. Uh, they mentioned in the Full Gear uh, media scrum that it was most likely a one-off for, uh, for Kenny Omega because Don has a close relationship with Kenny. Um, Don was managed by Kenny's uncle, um, there was a sheik in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. If I, I don't know if you remember this back in the day, there was a sheik in the Winnipeg that was Kenny Omega's uncle, and they have a long history with each other. So um, I, I remember Doc Cows was on commentary for All In too. So this didn't really surprise me. I thought this was more of a one-off. But speaking of partnerships, it looks like Impact in New Japan is going to have more of a relationship because there's Impact stars that are going to be uh, competing in their Best of the Super Juniors tournament. Uh, coming up this month in the next coming months as well. So I, I want to say a partnership with AEW hoodie, but more of a partnership with New Japan. Interesting. Uh, well, they want, I guess, uh, Don Callis and the group at Anthem wants their talent to be able to wrestle in front of a crowd. So I can understand why that is. Yeah. Let's stay away from uh, wedding angles, please. <laughs> oh, my God. Hell, yeah. 
because you got to have more of those. So you gave the top three, but you did not include FTR versus the Young Bucks. Why? Why are they not in your top three? What did you see in that match that you didn't like? It's not a slight towards FTR because they did the best they could in the match. Uh, for me, I can't suspend my disbelief with the Young Bucks. Oh. That's my that's my biggest issue with this match, hoodie. And there, this is a legitimate injury, and I hope that Matt Jackson heals up soon. And it's not a personal day towards him, but I don't know how you could pull off a thirty-minute tag team match with a guy who has a partially torn MCL. But the guy could do kickups and do a comeback with no problem and diving off the top rope 15 minutes into a match. I, I just thought some of the spots in the match made FTR look ridiculous. Um, the dead courts ref, as Jim Cornette uh, <laughs> likes to mention, mm-hmm. uh, Rick Knox is one of the worst refs I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes. Uh, the, it's just the match layout to me, Hoodie, did not make sense. And I love FTR. Cash Wheeler is a great wrestler. Uh, he, he's a carbon blueprint of what you want in the heel tag team wrestler. Uh, Dax Hardwood is good as well. I like the group. I just thought the match layout didn't make sense. Going into the match, I didn't have anybody to root for, to be honest with you, because I wasn't sure if FTR were the baby faces in the match. Then we're, uh, they had the whole Boston Celtics versus Lakers gear. It just threw me off. I didn't like the presentation of that match. Well, who had the Le- Somebody had Lakers and Celtics gear? Yeah, the bu- the Bucks were in Lakers gear, and the Celtic uh, the FTR were in the Celtics. Why? Because the Bucks are from uh, Southern California, and FTR is from North Carolina. Yeah, nah. <laughs> they're they're just oh the fact that uh, the Lakers won the NBA Finals, the Dodgers won the World Series. So hey, as EVPs, let's book ourselves as tag champions, pal. That's so shitty. And, right? and, and and so even worse than that, Josh, is from what I remember from a couple of weeks ago, just the build toward this was not very sound. It just I don't un- good. I don't understand why why the Young Bucks had to be heels in this. Like so you super kick two announcers to get yourself over as heels. So heels versus heels match. Oh, you don't you believe in the tired tropes? Okay, so that's still part of the storytelling. See that see FTR from the beginning was not booked well. We talked you and I talked about this. Right. Right, like okay, all right, let's let's you and I do this. Okay, so FTR comes out of nowhere and they're part of AEW. And FTR says, you know, we were just up north and we beat all the tag teams or so-called tag teams up here, up there. And so we come down here to Florida to take on some competition. Well, I don't see competition. I see cosplay wrestlers. I see guys that are not really serious about tag team wrestling. Well, if we were the best up there, we're going to be the best down here. We're the best damn tag team up here. Even though we keep hearing about the Young Bucks. It seems like I keep hearing that you guys are the best tag team because you're in Japan and you wrestled in the Indies. Well, we were on the big leagues, right? Now, right. now it now it's like, oh, you're considering the WWF big leagues and you've been there, done that. And so now you come to AEW to prove that you can win anywhere. Okay, so you're instant heels. Right. Because AEW fans don't like the WWE. But you don't have them come in like, oh, I'm a mark for FTW, FTR. So now they're going to be baby faces when they come in when, in their truck and their outfits. And so here they look. Now they're, they're baby faces when they come in. Well, that's not booking them well. Then they're taking on these other tag teams. And sometimes they're heels and sometimes they're baby faces. And so now they become the tag team champions. And now we're building this crescendo to the Young Bucks. And it's such a bad build. And so now here you are the young bucks need to have an edge why i mean if people love the young bucks and they're the best tag team they don't need an edge people respect them for who they are ftr comes from the other company they're the bad guys miro comes from the other company bad guy matt hardy comes from the so that should be it you might respect those guys but those guys should come into your company saying i've been there and i left there because now i'm in the big leagues uh, or I was in the big leagues, and now I'm coming to your spot, AEW. I just so from FTR standpoint, like uh, they should be heels, full stop, 
until they become baby faces. I don't I don't understand their build. I don't understand this whole thing with the young bucks. To your point, Hoodie, they should double down for the fact that they came for WWE. And it's one of the biggest issues that I have with Tony Khan, with uh, with him holding the pencil, is the fact that he thinks with the fact that a lot of these talents that a lot of people perceive that were held down in WWE, he brings them in for sympathy, but places them in the wrong place. Like, FTR, like, everybody says, oh, WWE didn't give him no spotlight, yada, yada, yada. We all agree with that. But... Have them double down the fact that point out the flaws with your style of wrestling. Yeah. Have, have XR double down with the stuff that Jim Cornette says. That's heat. Because when it comes to AEW and what happens behind the scenes, there's too much uh, hand, gliding, uh, hand gliding. Like, there's too many pats on the back. Nobody's saying no to anybody. Oh, you're doing great. This is perfect. Uh, you don't have to worry about if you're lying and your promos don't make sense. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a heel or a babyface. But when we talk about Cody Rhodes, it's like it's a free for all fest. And yeah, you don't need a, a full staff of creative TV writers, but you do need somebody filtering through the crap that you put on television. And there's no reason to have. XTR presented as passive aggr- aggressive baby faces. Oh, we're just happy to be here. We're, we're ready to have the opportunity to be in the tattoo division where, where we get time and we're spotlighted and all this stuff. And then the young bucks get boo boo face over the fact that XTR in real life are barely technically sound taxing than they are. so they gotta super kick the ring announcers they gotta super kick the cameraman and turn their back on their best friend Brandon Cutler as if anybody's gonna feel sorry for them in the process so (laughs) it's just not good booking and when you bring in people from other promotions and they're not knocking down for what you do with your product I don't care if it's storyline or not but there's no reason to have somebody come into WWE and capitalize on their perception from the dirt sheets. I just don't understand that line of thinking. No, I don't. No, I mean, I, I agree. And as I said before on this podcast, look, you're a year old and you're going to go through some growing pains. You look back, if you're doing some of the same stuff in two or three years, Josh, it's just not it's not the right direction. Remember, right. remember Nitro started off with Hogan in the Dungeon of Doom. Okay, so nobody wants to see that, right? But when you look back at it, it's like, boy, that was terrible. Maybe when Tony Khan looks back at it, he goes, you know what? We had some good things and we had some things we really need to work on. And like in three or four years, if you haven't cultivated your company into something completely different with sound booking, booking that makes sense, long-term booking, um, then, you know, then, then you haven't learned. You know, first time booker, first time company. It's never going to be it's never going to be perfect. I get that. But if you do have assets like you just talked about, all those assets, hey, man, you got to do something with it. You hear a random podcast, by the way, where someone will say, you know, AEW's just got so much talent. They don't know what to do with them all. It's kind of like, well, no, you do. You have two shows, one digital and one on TNT for two hours and pay-per-view. You can do something with that talent if you do it soundly. The other problem is the fact that the developmental show is longer than the one that's on TNT every week, and nothing's being built on that show either. <laughs> How long is that? That show's supposed to be an hour, right? But it goes longer too. The the last two months has been about two hours and ten minutes each. Wow. Yeah, I I, I texted this to you last night. Like, honestly, like. When it comes to Excalibur, you would think you get better with more reps. You have uh, call-in matches. I don't know how you still sound worse after calling 100 and, I don't know, 30 or 40 matches in two months. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that says a lot. If you're not getting any better and you're supposed to know all these guys, all these intricate moves, you know, you are what you are. The what? Tiger Driver 98. <laughs> <laughs> and you're Who young. Came up with that? <laughs> and you're you're younger than me. Know those references, and you don't like them. That says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like I sometimes I have to do mental gymnastics trying to figure out what to uh, anticipate when a certain move's coming out because I don't know if I'm supposed to type out Sunset Flip Powerbomb, Cold Red, Yoshi Tonic, Canadian Destroyer, Cold Blue. Like you know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
There's oh, a gazillion yeah. names for all these moves, yet they have no consequences or draw anything out of the matches. It's just a spot. <laughs> yeah, we have 50 names for them. Michael Cole or Excalibur? Michael Cole. <laughs> Tom Phil- I'll, I'll take a robot over Excalibur. Tom Phillips or Excalibur? A draw. Don't do that. Um, what what else? Uh, what else just stood out like you? So we had a cinematic match that, and I saw a clip of it of of, <laughs> of Jr. Excalibur and Tony talking over it. You're not supposed to talk over those things, are you? Nope. It, I, there's a rare occasion where I allow one match or one moment to ruin like a total vibe of a pay per view for me. But this got really close. Like, and I felt bad for Matt because if you put it on mute. Matt and Sammy had the best thing out of the four mishap matches that they had in this rivalry. <laughs> and that's the shame of all of this. Like, I had the pots where they had a cameo of uh, Shane House coming in as a hurricane and Gangrel's popping up. And I thought it was some funny spots in it, but you're having just bad, bad com- uh, commentary in the background. <laughs> uh, and as Calber is calling spots, JR is subtly shitting on it as the. The, the scenes going on like the tooth and nail match. Um, it's Giovanni's trying to uh, process what's happening. Like Dick Stockton, like it's just it just wasn't good. I, I really felt bad for Matt and Sammy because the charm of it is that you hear no commentary. How would people feel about the ultimate deletion if you heard Josh Matthews riveting commentary in the background? Think about that. So it's just bad, bad, bad. AJ Styles with a right hand, and then the tombstone over the head of the Undertaker. Down goes the Undertaker. This is the one, un- two, and the Undertaker is gonna win. <laughs> and a kick out, a kick out, a kick out for the Undertaker. <laughs> Could you imagine Cole doing that? He didn't need commentary for that AJ Styles Undertaker match. That's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they had to see like they put Sammy Guevara in the, uh, the trash can. And Mike Cole would be like, nonetheless, of course, <laughs> <here's the finish." laughs> of course, yeah, use that way. Take a drink every time you hear nonetheless on the WWE show. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, tell me yeah, what. Take, take, a, take a shot every time there's a hardcore match at the main event of an AEW pay-per-view. <laughs> tell me, Josh, about the Hoots podcast. What are you going to do this week? This week, I'm going to recap uh, Full Gear and talk about the CZW match that John Moxley had with Eddie Kingston. Oh, my. Um, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to talk about uh, just another big tour coming up for New Japan Pro Wrestling. They got a uh, combo tour to, uh, hoodie. So instead of doing it separately, they're combining the best of the Super Juniors tournament, basically their cruiserweight division and uh, their tag teams. They're doing a best of Super Juniors World Tag League tour. So this is the final bits of action before we get to Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, New Japan announced that they're doing another two-night event in, in the Tokyo Dome, which is really cool. I like it. So Wrestle Kingdom 15 will have two nights like last year's event. And I'll get into that. I got to get to, uh, uh, we're about like 10 days away from Survivor Series. So I'll be uh, talking about the bill for for that pay-per-view. And, um, you know, just uh, trying to uh, really pump up MLW since they're coming back right now with the restart. So I'm going to spray to all fields. And, of course, plug the greatest pro wrestling show in the world, NXT UK. Um, yes. You'll hear that on the Hoots Podcast. So Hoots Podcast is available. It comes out to you free to charge every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast from. Well, that's great stuff, man. And don't forget, um, uh, if you're looking to find out what's happening blow by blow, you don't get a chance to watch it, but you want to read about it, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com is where you go. We uh, have it right here in the description of the podcast, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Uh, for all your needs, the shows that you might have missed, Josh has it all covered for you on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. I'm glad you gave me a review, man. Now I can save my 60 bucks. <laughs> we both saved 60 bucks, pal. <laughs> hey, what does that mean? <laughs> Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and the Hoots Podcast. If you support this podcast, go over to listen to Josh Lopez as well. The Hoots, H-O-O-T-S Podcast. Always got great content over there as well. 
Well, I thank you for listening and being part of our show here for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hey, leave five stars and review. Tell people, hey, Jonathan Hood does a pretty decent wrestling show every single Tuesday, wherever you download your podcast. ESPN Chicago app is right there as well. If you scroll down. Also, don't forget, I'm with David Kaplan every morning between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time for Cap and J. Hood on ESPN 1000 on that for aforementioned ESPN Chicago podcast as well. All right. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk to you next Tuesday. Another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here, wherever you download your podcast. Love my wrestling. Love talking to you every Tuesday night. Make sure you hit me up, by the way, Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. I want to get your feedback of what we talk about every single week. Talk to you next time. Until then, so long for now. Uh-uh.